This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, this is a prepaid call from Devania Carr. Made at a Florida Department of Corrections institution. Amelia Carr is behind bars now, and she'll die behind bars, just sentenced to death for kidnapping and murder. She says she's innocent. You know something? This is the time. This is our opportunity. Because you want to see that baby being born. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's crazy how the media can take and just say, this is what happened. And no matter how much I say, but no, that's not how it was. Nobody hears anything because they want to believe the absolute worst. Hello, and welcome back to One Minute Remaining. My name is Jack Lawrence, the host and creator of this show. This is part three of my chat with Amelia Carr, the woman serving two life sentences for the kidnap and murder of Heather Strong, a crime she has always maintained she's innocent of. If you're yet to listen to the previous two episodes, well, time to hit pause, head back and catch up. So in the previous episodes, detectives had pulled in Josh Fulgham, the husband of Heather Strong, after concerned co-workers had said that on the day of her disappearance, Heather had received a call from Josh that made her visibly upset. They'd also said that Heather was making plans to leave Josh and take the kids back to Mississippi. Josh, who had only been out of jail for eight days prior to Heather's disappearance for holding a shotgun to her during an argument, was most certainly the detective's number one suspect. Josh had been telling her work colleagues and friends that Heather had simply gone away and needed some time to herself. Josh's claims that Heather had left the children with him and gone back to Mississippi for a while was an instant red flag to everyone who knew her. They all said there was just no way she would ever leave the children, especially not with him. However, Josh was sticking to his story. Call Heather at her job, okay? There was some, something that went on between you two. Because Heather, and this is other employees telling us okay. that she was visibly shaken and upset. And that she was so upset that she was saying that, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of Josh. Josh ain't going to see his kids no more because I'm tired of dealing with Josh and his bullshit. She wanted to take the kids away from you, not give you the kids. The only thing I remember Heather telling me 
was that she was going to be leaving and taking the kids and not to tell him. And it wasn't until he went to trial because this is the thing. They severed our cases. They completely severed it. So nothing about him was permitted into court when I went to trial. And he didn't go to trial until years later. So it came out years later that she had told him February 15th that she was leaving with the children and not coming back. And everybody had advised her against telling him because they knew that he was going to, you know, go crazy. Nobody expected it to be what it was, though. The interviews between Josh and Amelia would continue, with Amelia adamant she had no idea what, if anything, had happened to Heather. This is the time. Tonight. But when... La, 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 la. If you're going to sit up and lie to me, I'd rather you just look at me, okay, and not say a word. But if you're going to continue to lie to me, I'm going to make your life very, very hard. I'm just being honest to you. Because I'm trying to give you opportunity, sweetheart, to do the right thing. The shit may have, got, may have gotten out of hand. You got a baby right there you got to think about. If it happened, that's fine. If it's out of anger, that's fine. I understand. I'd be pissed off at it too because I like this man and this man constantly goes back to this girl that ain't shit. But why would I hurt her is what I don't understand. Why? Because you can get her out of the way. But you know what? In two years, me and him have been off and on, off and on. And you're tired of that shit. Amelia says these went on for quite some time. She would be sent home in the early hours of the morning, only to be picked up again, sometimes just 45 minutes after she'd been dropped off. Although not technically under arrest, Amelia says at no point did she ever feel like she could just leave. A week and a half, and I cannot exactly remember how many times because it was that many and it's been that long. Yeah, no, it's fair It's been enough. 13 and a half years yeah. since all started. But it was several times. And I remember my mom getting upset because they showed up at midnight one night. It was very, very late. And I was kept there until 7 o'clock the next morning. And yet I was not under arrest. How can you tell me I was? And that's the thing. How can you say I was free to go at any time when obviously I didn't have a vehicle, I couldn't come of my own free will, and I couldn't leave at my own free will? You kept me there. It's the middle of the night. I'm pregnant. I could not leave if I wanted to. Detectives are led to believe that the relationship between Josh and Amelia was relatively serious. Although, as we know, Amelia says this just wasn't the case. They wanted it to seem like it was some love triangle gone wrong, and it never was. And I've been trying to say that for the last decade and a half. It's never been like that. It wasn't some love triangle. I've never been the type to want to be with anybody because of uh, being in love and, you know, we have kids together. I've always been... Independent. So detectives would soon start to change their tact during these interviews and begin to play Josh and Amelia off against one another. But I'm telling you, right now you guys are in a triangle. And look where it's at. Mm-hmm. Okay? You got him leading both of you guys on. You got him loving her more than he loves you. And I'm just being honest. This girl, I'm telling you, go sit up here. Knowing what, where we've gotten now is going to leave you high and dry. You think she gonna sit? She got a baby in her stomach. It don't matter, man. I got two at home. Shit. Mm-hmm. You don't care about her, do you? I do, but not like I do Heather. Eventually, Josh gets tired and tells detectives that he needs a break 
and can he have a smoke? The detectives agree and take him outside along with a recording device. And this is when Josh begins to try and shift the blame on Amelia. What did Amelia tell you? Did she get to go home? Mm-hmm. Yes, she did. How come she got to go home and I can't? Maybe she was a little bit more honest. See how that works. I'm going to tell you what this is what I was told. Right here. I was told she was gone to leave it alone. That's what I was told, that she's gone to leave it alone. So now Josh is telling detectives that Amelia knows more than he does about what happened to Heather. And other than that, he still has no idea where she is or what has happened to her. We've gone this far. Yeah, I live now. I don't know what else to tell you. I don't know where she's at, man. I don't. I just want to sleep and so get up. So you telling me Amelia knows, she knows everything? I think she knows more about the shit than I do. you telling me she never asked you, if she was going to do it, she never asked you what was the best way to do it? She never asked you where's the best place to find. I ain't a fucking murderer, man. I don't know what the best way to kill people and get rid of them and shit. Because at some point, Josh Josh tried to throw you under the bus, basically, didn't he? At some point, he said, oh, well, she knows what's going on. See, I think so, because that's when they came in there. He's saying that you told him that. That's what I was told, that she's going to leave it alone. This is what he told us. Your heart is about to jump out of your chest. Because I was home at my mom's. Your heart is about to jump out of your chest. That pisses me off. Okay. What is he saying I did it? That you set it up. Set what up, though? I mean, because all I heard him say was that... Listen, listen here. Okay. You're trying to backpedal on it. No, I'm trying to... I didn't really hear... I'm telling you that he said that you told him that... You guys took care of Heather, and for him not to worry about her anymore. Who's you guys? You. Now I'm angry, now I'm upset, now I have no idea what's going on. So detectives would wrap up their investigation for the night, but still had no evidence in which to charge neither Amelia or Josh for any wrongdoing over Heather's disappearance. What they could do, however, was arrest Josh for the unlawful use of Heather's bank card. And... It is while Detective Bowie is in with Josh getting him ready to be booked in that Josh would drop a bombshell. Take him to jail. That's where you want to go, my man. That ain't where I want to go, man. I got my choice. You got all the choice. I don't know what else to do. Where else you got in the park? Wow. You let me take that by my mama if I take you to it? We'll go right now. You take me to where Heather is, I'll take your wallet to your mom. You won't take me by and let me talk to mom? You take me to Heather first. And you take me by my mom? That's a promise. Let's go. All right, come on, let's shut off. Yeah, all this time. Are we still getting back to Syria? Yes, we will. I'm in this shit on my own, man. The, The interview's over. And then they stand up and Josh says, look, I'll take you to where Heather is if I can see my mum. When was the first time that you found out that Josh had basically said he knew where she was? Um, I was in a floral 
room that they had. And I guess it was one of the rooms they had for children. And it was the middle of the night. It was about 3 or 4 a.m. And I asked the woman that was sitting in there, I said, can I please call my mom and check on my kids? And she said, well, I don't know if you're allowed to use the phone. I said, but I, I don't understand why. If I'm just sitting here, why can't I call and check on my children? So she let me call her. And when I called my mom, my mom is the one that told me, she said, baby, what's going on? I said, I don't know, mom. What are you talking about? She said, well, the police are here and Josh is here and they have them handcuffed and they're in the backyard. And I said, no, mom, what's going on? I don't know, mom, what's going on? And she said, I don't know, baby. Are you okay? Are you coming home? And I said, I think so. I said, I don't understand why they still have me here. And she just kept asking me what's going on. And then they found out my mom was on the phone and they made her hang up. Yeah, right. The detective got on the phone with the woman who had let me use her phone and told her, he said, why did you let that happen? And she said, well, I didn't see anything wrong with letting her call her mother and check on her children. So what what's going through your mind then? Obviously, once once that phone goes down, you know Josh is at your mum's place. What's going through your head then? Now I'm like, what is really going on? This, of course, is a sudden and incredible turn of events. Detectives waste absolutely no time and get Josh straight into a police car so that he is able to take them to where Heather is. Even while in the car, taking detectives to where Heather is located, he continues to plead innocent and is directing police straight to Amelia's mother's home. 10, 15, 51 towards the Bordman area. I thought we were going to start with some cigarettes. I'll make sure they stop and get something. Yeah, I'll make sure. Oh, man, no, you don't no, give me no listen, cigarettes. Listen, we are, we are. We are. <laughs> Going towards your mom's house? No, where are we going towards her? Y'all got in there? Go to her house. Is that her house? Uh, we're going up towards Amelia's house. Can y'all, man, I do this shit. Okay. I have a mark you to meet us at the following address 65 5500 Northwest 219th Street. So detectives are taken by Josh to Amelia's mother's house at three o'clock in the morning. He leads them down a trail towards the back of the property, the whole way down continuing to proclaim his innocence. He leads them to a trailer at the back of the property and points to an area of dirt near that trailer. Detectives begin to poke around in the area and discover a soft patch of dirt which has been recently disturbed. They believe that this is where they will find the body of Heather Strong. They then stop until a team can be brought in in the morning to recover the body. Amelia's mother's house is now the crime scene of a murder. So at this stage, they're unsure as to what exactly they will find, but have a pretty good idea that Heather Strong's body is buried in Amelia's mother's backyard. This raises the detective's suspicions as to Amelia's involvement. She is again questioned and told by Detective Bowie that they believe that's where Heather's body is. About what he's saying, about you being involved, about her body maybe in your backyard. I'm hoping and praying God she's not So we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we discuss with Amelia why at no stage did she have legal representation while being interviewed. If you're not used to how the system works, yeah, you don't, you don't know. know that. Yeah. And Amelia tells me her story moving forward is one that is completely orchestrated by the detectives. And you convicted me of a lie. 
Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Well, as always, thank you so much for listening to One Minute Remaining and being part of our growing community, especially to all the members of our private Facebook group, which is open to you right now. Listeners of the show are coming together to discuss the cases we talk about, ask questions and share their opinions, such as Nat Trait, Gabriella Edmund, Tanya Bliss, Corin McPherson, Melinda Rose, Linda Wakeham, and so many more. Thank you so much indeed for all of you getting involved uh, and joining us in that Facebook group. So come and join the community. I can't wait to chat with you. So detectives have been taken to the spot in which they now believe Heather's body will be found. The next morning, a team is brought in and they recover the body of 26-year-old mother of two, Heather Strong. Investigators found Strong buried in a shallow grave more than a month after she was reported missing. She had apparently been planning to leave the state before she was killed. With Heather Strong's body now located in the backyard of Amelia's mother's house, their suspicions over Amelia's involvement in the crime is now a lot higher, and her interviews continue. One thing I've noticed with a huge number of the interrogations and interviews that I've watched over the last few months and years It's just the staggering number of people being questioned by detectives without any form of legal representation. I asked Amelia about this. You know, the other thing I notice about these interrogations that I watch, um, you know, I've watched yours, I've watched Derese's, I've watched a number of um, even Josh's interrogations. There's never any lawyers in the room with you. Does that? Because I know in this country, I know in the UK, I don't know about other countries, but I know that, um, you know, it's a case of you can't, you, you, can, you can say I'm not saying anything until I've got a lawyer present. 
and they have but to. But again, if you're not used to how the system works, yeah, you don't, you don't know. know that. Yeah, and I suppose as well. I suppose if if you don't think if if you in your mind in your mind you've done nothing wrong, then why why would you need a lawyer in the room? Right. So when you well, there's also the fact that one of the detectives was the husband of my massage therapy teacher. I went to massage therapy school for a year and, you know, so I was, I knew his wife very well. She was our teacher, one of them. And I remember going to their house for graduation and everything. So I didn't understand how he could be a detective on the case. I would, I would assume that that would be a conflict. So, I mean, after the fact, but at the time, I believed this man when he said he was going to try to help me. Do you understand? Absolutely, I'm going with that? yeah, totally. Because you like, see him as you see him as kind of like a friend, really. Like you know this guy, and he's like, "Hey, it's okay. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I know what's going on. I'll, I'm gonna help you." Right. Whereas his counterpart was like the bad detective, the one who would come in and, "Oh, you want to see that baby born, don't you?" And so there, it's crazy how all that played out because he, this guy would tell me one thing, and this guy would do something else, and so. And like you said, when you know you didn't do anything wrong, you're kind of like, okay, this guy's coming at me. What, what did I do wrong and how can you help me? You know, so it's just, it's a huge mental manipulation what they put you through. And it's, it's psychological, man. It's a psychological type of like torment because you have one person who's just like coming down on you really hard and somebody else saying, oh, I'm going to help you. And you know this person, so you're trusting them. And you're like, how do I, what do I, what am I supposed to do? It was just, it was a mess. And then I'm pregnant. So I'm emotional on top of everything. Yeah. Jesus. So now Amelia's story seems to shift from not knowing anything to starting to give the detectives different information about what she knows. Now, Amelia tells me that ultimately every piece of information she now gives on camera was fed to her by the detectives. She says that she was told that they wanted to make sure Josh went down for this crime and that she needed to give them information in which to help make that happen. Now, Amelia says all of this was done off camera, so that means there is no way of really knowing what, if anything, was said to her. However... There are a number of moments during her recorded interviews that I have noticed she says things that make me believe more was being spoken about off camera. Like here, where Amelia says, it hit me when you said something in the other room about my mum's trailer. Have a listen. It hit me when you said something in the other room about my mum's back trailer. Because you said something about that trailer. And I'll... And again, here. Why didn't you tell me all this in the beginning? Because I didn't put two and two. I thought he was full of crap. And then when you said something about my mom's back trailer... There are also a number of occasions where Amelia talks with detectives about being on the record. She says things like, is this chat now on the record? Like this. Were you there? On the record? Everything from here on out is on the record. 
Amelia says this is because of the number of conversations that were happening off the record. There were a lot of conversations that were off the record, on phone calls that were not recorded, in other rooms. I believe there's even um, a video where he's asking for a story. And when I say something, it's like he yells at me and says, you're just saying what I told you. And I, and I tell him, that's because I don't know. It's just like, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like, if you actually sit there, and I, that's what I tell people all the time. Like, if you actually watch the videos, you will see how, like, it just progressed from... I kept telling them I didn't know anything to me just trying to repeat what they wanted me to, what they were telling me because I didn't know anything and they would not leave me alone. A week and a half of that and I'm pregnant. Mm. I mean, like my stomach was hard as a rock. I'm stressed. I'm exhausted. They're coming to get me all hours of the night, keeping me for hours, you know, playing mind games by going back and forth with um, Josh. And it was just, it's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. And so it's like you finally just get to the point. I already had issues with men at the time. So I'm just, I'm constantly, constantly around these men, around these men. And then in that very last interview, you can see where he's got me backed up against the wall mm. in a chair. And mm. there's like, literally, there's no room between me and him. And how are they allowed to do this? Now, I must state the detectives have denied that any conversations happened with Amelia off camera and that they did not feed Amelia any information regarding the crime scene itself. So during further interrogations, Amelia tells detectives that Josh knocked on her window early one morning and told her to stay out of the yard and away from the trailer at the back. She says she ignored this and went to see what was going on. That's when she says she finds Heather in a trailer, duct tape to the blue chair and unconscious. She freaks out, panics, and confronts Josh over it. We go in and out of that trailer. We store stuff there. I mean, if you didn't notice, it's full of our stuff. Mm-hmm. I come across Heather. Where? Duct taped to the little blue chair. In the, tra- in the trailer? In the trailer. And I freak out. I check for a pulse. I'm looking to see if she's breathing. And I'm just checking. And I walked out. And he was there later that afternoon. I asked him, what the hell did you do? He told me that in the middle of the night, after we were in bed, he brought her there. And I guess he told her that he knew where I had money stashed to get her to go back there. And that he basically, he hit her upside the head with something. And that she was trying to leave and she broke the window. And that he said that he Again, Amelia says all the things that she is telling detectives is made up. She says she was saying whatever she could to try and get home to her kids. Her story continues to change, and she says that's because detectives were getting mad at her as it's not what they wanted to hear. I've been saying that for 13 and a half years, that you convicted me of a lie because you can even see plainly in the video where there's several times that they get mad at me because I get things wrong. And I keep telling them, well, I don't know. Stressful is not the word. It's really not the word because you are in a heightened state, especially when they start off by threatening you. Everything thereafter, you're in a heightened state of fear because you don't know what these people can do. You don't know what they're capable of. I mean, the man threatened that I would not see my child born. And this is the police. These are supposed to be the good guys. 
Yeah. I mean, like, how do you trust that? Now there's more. So when we sat across the hall and you shed tears and you swore to me that was it, you were lying again. What I'm concerned about is that you're still lying. And I'm going to call you on it. I was being polite to you last night. I was mm -hmm. being nice to you. But there's still more, and I know it. I know you're trying to back away from, from what you and Josh did together, and I know there's more. I didn't hurt her. Okay, but you were there. I found her. You were there. No, I wasn't. No, you were there. Okay? You've, you've played this whole game for, for two days now, okay? If you were there, you need to be completely honest, okay? Because you're you're trying to separate yourself from, from everything, but, but you're not credible. You're, you're, you lie, and then we catch you in one, and then, oh, okay, well, yes, that is true, but, but that's all I did. No. I know there's more. Last I know night, there's after more. You guys got back. I know there's more. I know you were there while she was still alive. Okay? I, wasn't I know there. you were. I know you were. I wasn't there. You were there while she was still alive. I wasn't. Am I going to be able to go home with my kids? I need you to tell me the truth. Did you kill her? No. Did you kill her? No. Did you tie her up? No. Did you torture her? No. Then you need to tell me everything. Now, with Josh's extensive violent history and background, what I find interesting is if you do some searches on this case, and in fact just Google Josh's name, you're more likely to find more information on Amelia than you are Josh. It seems the media were fixated on her as opposed to Heather Strong's husband. I spoke to Amelia about this. And that's what I have not understood is every time one of these people, and I said this when um, A&E spoke to Deanna and she did this interview. I spoke to the woman. I said, you know why I stopped talking to the media? Because all you guys do is focus on me and this and how they put the story out there. And then when I try to talk to you and tell you how a different perspective, you still, not you, but I'm just in general. Yeah, yeah, no, I know what you're saying. It's still portrayed a certain, a certain type of way. And I said, not one person has stopped to look into the fact of his history with her and the 11 years of domestic, all the other times he's attempted to kill it, the fact that he's almost killed another inmate incarcerated and has gotten additional time. Nobody looks at the fact that this man stays in trouble. You just want to sit here and you want to hold on to this one theory rather than say, oh my God, what if we messed up? What if, just what if you guys were wrong about me? How hard is it to say, Oh my God, we made a mistake. And this is the problem. If there's reasonable doubt, the person shouldn't be incarcerated. I and yet here I sit almost 15 years later. So let's talk about the crime scene itself. A post-mortem would rule that Heather Strong was suffocated. There was also what appeared to be a non-life-threatening injury to the side of Heather's head. When detectives and crime scene experts recovered Heather's body, they also came across duct tape that it would eventually come out was used to keep her in a chair while Josh berated her about wanting to take the kids from him, and then eventually would be placed across her mouth. All the evidence from the crime scene was examined. On the duct tape, they found some hair, bloodstains and fingerprints. After examinations were done on all these items, it was determined that both the blood and the hair belonged to Heather, and the fingerprints matched those of Joshua Fulgham's. However, there was nothing at the scene that would link Amelia to being present at the crime. 
You have one minute remaining. So that is where we'll have to leave it for today. But coming up in the next episode, while Amelia is being questioned by detectives, of course, Josh is also still being spoken to. And all of a sudden, he brings in two new characters to the story. You say that Amelia told you something else. Who was involved? Jamie Aiken and Jason Lashow. Not only that, it seems while Josh has been sitting in his jail cell contemplating what has happened, it seems he can no longer keep up his lies and asks to speak with the lead detective on the case, Detective Bowie. What's your thinking about? Stay my heart, man. Tell my baby. Why this shit couldn't work? It's going to be a long, hard road, you know that. Oh, I know. I know. And I'm going to pay for it. I've done that. i got to pay for it. Next time on One Minute Remaining. One Minute Remaining is a Mash Pumpkin production. Hosted and produced by Jack Lawrence. Editing and sound design by Jack Lawrence and Dom Evans. This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. <laughs>